Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hi everyone, welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. This is Rich Gibbons and today joining me is Patricia Adams from Flexera. Hi Patricia. Hi Rich, thank you for having me today. No problem. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, so today we're going to be talking all around the, the kind of uh, the, the future of SAM and you know, the cloud and, and the changes that it brings. But I think before we get into that, would you mind just telling the listeners a little bit about, about yourself and your background and, and what you do at Flexera at the moment? Sure, sure. So I've been with Flexera almost a year now. And prior to joining Flexera, I was with Avanti as an asset management evangelist. And I was there for about uh, two and a half years. And then prior to that, I was with Gartner for over 20 years as the lead research director on asset management tools, best practices, processes, business case, metrics. I covered it all and did it on a global basis as well. So when I joined Flexera, my role now is on the strategy team. So I'm working with a number of colleagues focused on strategy across Flexera's three key areas, which are spend, insights, and agility. And uh, you know, from there, asset management fits within the spend category, but then we have a, a portfolio of products that fit within insights and within agility area. Ah, cool. So that, I think that sort of trinity, that those three points are, are quite quite interesting as we as we look through the 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 topics that we're going to talk today um but it certainly sounds like it must be must be quite interesting you know from from what you were doing when you first joined Gartner and and how the industry looked to to kind of where we are now and you know Flexera you know buying companies like Rightscale that that change must be it must be quite um quite interesting to see from one end to the other Oh, it it absolutely is. Uh, You know, when I first started doing asset management, it was primarily focused around inventory and asset tracking. And now as new asset classes have entered the market, like SaaS and cloud, IoT, containers, serverless, uh, you know, that's had like a huge impact on how we do asset management. So there's been a huge evolution from just counting assets to assets coming and going very quickly and having to be more agile when it comes to managing those assets. And you don't have the time to go around and count things anymore, right? That is, you know, doing a physical inventory is just too time consuming. And so companies now have to be more proactive in their approach to tracking and managing these assets. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, for me, so my you know, my background was was licensing rather than 
than Sam and ITAM. So, so I'm I'm relatively new, probably only really two or three years in, into the world of um, Sam. So so for me, the, the kind of the the cloud and things is almost um, the I guess you know the beginning when I really first started getting into ITAM, cloud and SaaS and things were already around. Um, so, mm-hmm. so for me, you know, it's kind of like my you know my my kids you know, tablets and virtual reality is the norm for them now. For me, cloud asset management is 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 kind of normal. Um, but but what I see, you know, when we do the conferences and different conversations with people, that. It, it does represent quite a, a significant shift, perhaps in in mindset as well as you know tools and processes uh, to, to to start managing things in the cloud. Things which, as you say, you know they're not in the building. You can't look at them. You you can't you know necessarily inventory them. Some of them only exist for you know a few hours at a time. Um, and, and I think it's interesting that you know I remember people saying, "Oh, you don't need Sam, but with cloud because it all looks after itself." Um, <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. think yeah, even a few years ago that sounded unlikely, but now that people have started to dig into it, I think, in in my opinion, I think cloud probably needs Sam more than on premises did. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I've heard people say that about SaaS as well, right? You don't need you don't need SAM because you've got, you know, SaaS applications and cloud-based applications. But you know, when when we talk about shadow IT, right? Those are usually SaaS-based applications that the business units who have their own IT budget go out and buy and they go out and buy cloud-based applications as well. And if you don't have visibility into that, it ends up getting wasted. And the business isn't focused on managing and optimizing those assets. They're focused on delivering a product or assisting customers or, you know, whatever their business goals are. And they don't want to get into, you know, the the detail that they need around usage and consumption and uh, tracking reserved instances and negotiating uh, agreements and turning storage off on the weekend and compute power, things like that. That's just not what the business wants to focus on. Their focus is on delivering a solution. And Gartner estimates that the cloud market for 2019 is $214 billion. So it's a huge and growing market. I think they're estimating 16, 17, 18% growth. And with that kind of growth, asset managers really need to stay on top of this because this shift is going to be a huge chunk of the budget of any organization that's undergoing digital business or a digital transformation. Absolutely. I mean, that you know that number. What was that? Nearly, nearly two hundred and fourteen billion. Did you say? Yes, U.S. Wow. I mean, that is, you know, e- even you know, if you divide that by all of the companies doing cloud, etc., it's still going to be significant um, for, for kind of almost any company, uh, you know, across the world. And I think you know what I've I've noticed is that. Um, you know, maybe the with on-premises SAM, you know, the, the perhaps the regular 
the traditional way of thinking about it has been compliance management and you know making sure that you know, you're not under licensed or you're not over licensed on on a particular product um, and you know I understand that's a, a drastic simplification but I, I think if you know, the the kind of first line of Wikipedia would would probably say that um, but then in the cloud I think it's become much more about cost management than compliance management or, or even than asset management it, it's it's cost management that is the uh, the big thing in certainly in you know in the Azure and AWS world um, I think you know the the ability to spend more money than you meant to is you know it's always been there with software and, and you know with all the, the licensing metrics and things but I think in the cloud it's um, it's so much easier to to lose control of your your spend it, it absolutely is and when you think about um, at least in the US we have a 4% unemployment rate so trying to hire skilled asset managers that have experience with cloud is very difficult skill set to come across and so a lot of companies are turning to their tools to offer them automation and policies to help them deliver on these cost benefits because they just don't have the resources, the human resources that they can allocate to watching it closely and reporting on it closely. But if they can use automation and policies and set alerts and thresholds and action, you know, then they can get closer to managing that spend more appropriately. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think um, the the speed of cloud is is you know so far beyond the the speed that, that humans can 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 work at or, or comprehend that. Yeah, you know, if you try and if you try and do it without automation, um, I, I think it you know everyone will struggle. Um, and you know, you mentioned some of the things already. You know, things like reserved instances and turning things off in the evenings and making sure your VMs are the, the right size and that kind of thing. And, and I think on paper, you know, it, it makes sense that, that the ITAM team can do these things. But I guess what, what's hard to comprehend perhaps is the, the scale of a cloud environment. You know, if, if you're a large enterprise and you're using AWS and or Azure, you know, you're not talking about, um, you know, probably a few hundred virtual machines you know, it's quite quickly going to be thousands of machines across different projects and uh, using different services. Uh, and I think to, for any one person or, or one team to to manually look after that is going to be um, quite difficult, to, to say the least. So, so I guess you could say that, you know, for, for ITAM, Obviously, you need to be able to to understand it and work out the processes, but then probably going forwards for an ITAM team, it, it's understanding how to use those automation tools to to their advantage as well. Yeah, and and you know, using those tools is one piece of it, uh, but many companies who have cloud center of excellence teams or cloud architects. Uh, you know, 
this is a team that is moving very quickly and they don't want to be slowed down. And asset management, you know, is very focused on, you know, reporting, understanding the data, but they have to move faster to keep up with the cloud team as well. And asset managers, you know, we are accustomed to collaborating with the ITSM teams and the CMDB folks and the config teams. Uh, and then we've pushed outside of that and collaborated with the enterprise architects and the security teams. So the same way that they approach those different IT domains to share information and share processes and demonstrate their value, they have to go and do that with the cloud team. But when they go to the cloud team, they have to talk to the cloud team in a way that the cloud team understands, right? They are doing things very rapidly, as you pointed out, you know, where things aren't standing around for, you know, more than an hour, you know, they might be doing, you know, rolling out DevOps initiatives where things come up and go online and offline very quickly. You know, certainly there are going to be certain services that stay online much longer but understanding how they can contribute value to those teams. You know, one of the things that I was talking to an asset manager about uh, was negotiating a SaaS contract that the business unit had gone out and bought uh, an application, a, a SaaS-based application, and then asset management said, well, you know, has the security team vetted it? Have we negotiated uh, you know, the contract effectively, uh, do we know what the page lo load refresh rates are, things like that to make sure that we're getting value for what we're paying for. So yeah, the asset management teams can bring unique perspective and unique value, but they have to go and talk to the cloud team and let them know what kind of information they have and how they can support them. Yeah, yeah, I 100% I agree with that. I, I think, so would would you say that there's an element of you know for an ITAM team in an organisation, if they want to to make sure that they they stay relevant and and that ITAM still gets involved, still has a seat at the table, all those various cliches um, that ITAM need to to kind of reach out and and adapt how they've been doing things for the last you know fifteen twenty years maybe and and learn to to work in a slightly different way with these new teams. Do you think that's something that, that people need to do? Yes, and, and I've actually seen some uh, work that you've done recently on, on saying that, you know, cloud skills is essential for the asset manager today, the SAM manager, right? It, it's imperative that they ramp up on cloud and they understand their value proposition there. Yeah, so I, I would completely agree that, you know, what we did, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago is no longer applicable. And asset managers do have these skills because a lot of them have done the migration to Office 365 and to Adobe Creative Cloud. So they understand SaaS and they understand cloud. It's just they have to broaden it now to include AWS, 
uh, Azure, Google Cloud Platform, uh, Oracle, IBM, Alibaba, you know, whatever region or geography that you're located in, you know, it could be that, uh, you know, you're using a combination of clouds as opposed to just one cloud provider. And that's something that we're seeing a lot of customers do. They're taking that hybrid multi-cloud approach rather than just using one cloud provider. And that's a little bit compli more complicated for SAM managers, but it's not you know, impossible. It's a skill set that they already have because they've worked with many software providers in the past, not just one, right? So they can expand and understand the nuances that the different uh, cloud providers offer. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, you know, the in most organizations, you know, where, where cloud has been identified as the way forward, if some teams say they need to use Azure and some other teams say they need to use AWS, it's it's going to happen. And if, if ITAMs say, no, we only want to use one cloud, I, I would imagine in most cases, people will still use two clouds anyway, but they'll just you know, circumvent ITAM, you know, and it will become like shadow IT, like you were mentioning earlier. Um, I, I think it's it's probably the case that, um, you know, whereas maybe on-premises, it was easier to say no to something. In the cloud, it's mm -hmm. more a case of, right, this is happening. How can we, how can we best manage it? And, ha you know, how can we make sure that if it's going to happen, it happens in the, the most sensible way. Um, I, I think that's the, the kind of the attitude that, that need, needs to be taken in, in many cases now. Well, it, it's kind of interesting because I see a lot of cloud architects that are just starting out in their careers, cloud developers, and they tend to first start learning AWS or Google or Azure and then five years later, they want to continue using that because they know that platform well. So if they switch jobs and switch companies, they are taking that experience on that platform with them. And they tend to, you know, not grown up, but, you know, that's what their, their um, realm of experience is. And so that's why they prefer specific clouds over, over others. So it, it's kind of interesting. And as a result, We've seen Amazon, Google, Microsoft working with more universities, right, to get their cloud in there and get technology students uh, using them so that when they go launch into their careers, they're still using them. Right. I thought that's interesting. I, I guess that's like the, you know, on-premises, you know, Microsoft's office is, you know, so cheap for, for schools and you know, Office 365 is free in many cases because, you know, if you start using that when you're seven, by the time you go into the workplace in your early 20s, you know, if, you, if, you've, been, if you've been using it for 13, 14 years, that's what you're going to, you know, expect your company to buy and, and keep using. So I, I, it's interesting that the same thing is happening um, in, in the cloud space as well. Yeah, and I think Apple recognized that very early on. They partnered with a lot of education, you know, uh, primary education and secondary education early on. And you see a lot of people today walking around with their MacBooks and they're like, nope, wouldn't try anything else, only staying on Mac. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. I've never seen 
in real life or in films or TV. I've never seen a student <laughs> with, with anything other than a Mac. Um, you know, and I think you're right that, you know, cloud is so closely related to the, the success of a business these days with, you know, digital transformation and things that if you're hiring a new cloud architect or lead developer, you know, and you're paying them, you know, probably, you know, a, a good six figures a year to, to, to build something that will give you that competitive edge. If they want to use AWS instead of Azure or, or vice versa, or they want to use this product or that product, I, I, I think, you know, and maybe it's not the right thing, but I think in most cases, you know, they'll, they'll get what they need because, you know, they're the, they're the people leading this, this business transformation uh, and the rest of the, the organization needs to, um, you know, not get in the way of that and, and help that, that person or that team succeed um rather than you know being seen to, to to be trying to block things um and i think that's going to be something you know the the, the stakeholder engagement stakeholder management all that side of things I, I think is you know much different in in the cloud there are, i think there are many more stakeholders to to work with for a start i i, I think and i would imagine you've probably seen that as well Oh, yes, absolutely. There are definitely more stakeholders involved in uh, making decisions about cloud, uh, you know, not just the center, the cloud center of excellence teams, but there's also enterprise architects, uh, you know, they're involved more now than they used to be in making decisions about strategy and direction uh, when it comes to these cloud-based applications. And then security is a big part of this as well too, right? Uh, you know, when we look at SaaS applications, because a lot of these applications might be integrated in with on-premises applications and maybe sh sharing data or feeding data into Salesforce, or into Box or whatever, whatever application it, it's feeding into on-premise or another SaaS-based application, security teams have to be involved as well to make sure that the security levels uh, are, are adequate for what they want to do. And we're seeing a lot more focus on that security issues just because, you know, hacking is, is you know, it seems as if every day it's hitting the news that there's some new major security event that's occurred. So, yes, yeah, security and enterprise architects are, are other stakeholders that are involved in this, too. Yeah, I think security is a, a very interesting one to, to, to call out because I think, you know, on premises, you know, we've seen more of a, a, a close relationship between ITAM and security, you know, a lot of the, the Equifax issues were, you know, a, a, a too big a gap between ITAM and security and, and things falling through the cracks. And, you know, in the clouds, you know, there's so many things that you see where it's because, you know, someone forgot to uh, turn on security on a, a certain AWS S3 bucket or, or someone forgot that such a thing existed and I think you know ITAM knowing where things are is you know 
100% part of part of ITAM and and doing that as you were saying earlier because you can't go around and inventory the these cloud assets I think ITAM and security have to be working together to to be able to get that full picture um, you know there, there are quite a few tools out there from a security perspective which you know, will build you a a kind of topographical map of your AWS environment or your Google environment and you know security need to share those with with ITAM and then you know ITAM can, can look at those and say right you know these from a security perspective you know x these x y and z assets need to be um, managed but also from a, a cost perspective I think you know one, one of the things with clouds People always say that you you know you pay for what you use, but I think it, you know it's more correct to say you pay for what you turn on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the thing you know someone turns something on in in AWS and then you know moves to a different project or or, or whatever might happen. If you can't see it, if you don't know it's there, you, you'll never know you know that you're paying for it in many cases. And, and I think you're right that 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 you know security, ITAM, and the cloud team. But you need all three of them, I think, to, to get a, a full uh, picture of what you've got out there, and thus what you're paying for. Right. Well, to your point about you know leaving an an S3 bucket open, uh, you know companies today can use policies in their cloud management platform tools to prevent that, right? Many there are many policies that are security focused, that are cost focused, that are right sizing focused, uh, you know, so it doesn't have to be uh, a completely manual uh, process that, that they're going through. And then to that second point that you just mentioned about spend, you know, and turning it on and then forgetting about it until you get billed for it, right? I, I've seen a lot of companies that don't configure their clouds to turn off when the business day is over or when the weekend is happening. So they still have compute and storage available to them. And, you know, it's the holidays. It's, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, you know, demand drops significantly then right, or yep. during off-site or during, you know, some major event that might be happening at the company or during August when holidays are, are you know, people are taking their summer holiday, you know, the demand drops then and they don't cycle their, uh, their compute and storage to reflect that. And so they end up paying for something that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they aren't using. They've just turned it on, but they haven't turned it off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, everyone that, that I speak to, you know, is in a similar situation. And, and I think it's it's probably, uh, again, a bit of a, a mindset thing that on-premises, you know, you, you pay for your server, you know, you've bought it, it's in the corner, you, you've paid for your licenses to put on the server. So, so you kind of think the more it's turned on, the better you know the more roi right. you're getting because at least even if you don't know what it's doing at least it appears to be doing something um and, and probably you know if if you turned things off on premises people would start mm -hmm. to go well 
if, if we're not using it, I can see it's turned off. Why do we need it? Uh, and uh, and then you know you decide right. It's easier to just keep everything turned on, but it it's the exact opposite in infrastructure as a service environments where um, you know the the ideal scenario is that it, it's turned on as little as it it needs to be um Mm -hmm. and and i wonder if maybe within an organization you know if probably there's a piece of work that needs to be done just around that mindset piece and the culture difference between how things have been and how things will be in the clouds and i guess you know whether that's something that you know that itam would do or the cloud team um, or whoever, but I think um, you know the, the sort of just that change from a, a culture perspective is probably a significant difference. Yeah, and we've seen companies sort of take a crawl, walk, run approach to it, right? Where they'll try a little bit of cloud for a few select applications. And then as they get more comfortable with it, they'll put more of their workload in the cloud. And then they'll start to do more automation and policies there. And then they start to do like a whole lift and shift and buying the applications that they used to run on premise, just buying them in the cloud, the cloud version as opposed to saying, you know, can we leverage anything of what we've bought on-premise for cloud use? And since you, you mentioned that about on-premise uh, and, and the data center and the server sitting there, it reminded me of, you know, companies not taking advantage of some of the Azure hybrid use benefits where they can leverage their on-premise licensing and their cloud licensing licensing to really optimize their spend. So taking that approach where, you know, we saw secondary use uh, for Cal licensing and applying that to the Azure hybrid use benefit in order to save money or optimize their spend on Azure. Yeah, yeah, I I think um that i mean when i when i do my microsoft training sessions we, we cover that in a fair bit of detail uh, and i'm i'm still surprised at how many people um haven't come across that or, or aren't using that in their organization um and you know i think it it, it throws up some some uh, management uh, extra management is required you know which um people need to consider but Absolutely, I I think you know from a if you look at an organisation, ITAM are probably the only team who who will think about things like that. You know the the DevOps team, right. the you know the, the development teams. There, you know, and you know, obviously, I can't I can't talk for them all, but I would imagine that you know they're very unlikely to think, oh. You know, let's let's check our on-premises licensing. Let's understand the benefits available to us and see if we can reduce our cloud spend in some way. You know, that's not how mm-hmm. those those teams are are, are built. Uh, and I think for ITAM, I I think that there's a big opportunity to to say to it to your business, right? What's our cloud spend now? Let me understand what we're spending it which you know which providers what services and let's just see through some relatively simple processes 
let's see what we can do to to reduce that and um, you know the i think you've mentioned them all already you know the azure hybrid use benefit uh turning things off when we're not using them uh right sizing and the reserved instances you know and not waiting for other parts of the business to do it i think itam can you know, seize the initiative and once you as an itam manager understand these things you can then make a real difference to your uh, your company's cloud spend absolutely and um i'm not certain if you've seen the state of the cloud report so flexera acquired a company last year called RightScale, which is a cloud management platform company but they do a, a survey annually and it was conducted this year in February. And that was one of the questions that was asked in the survey was how, um, you know, how involved is the organization in terms of saving money on their cloud platforms and how involved is asset management and the cloud teams. And many companies want to save money. I mean, that was a large percentage, like I think it was around 68%. They want to save money, but only 8% of them have their asset management teams involved in that. Wow. And, you know, it, yeah, it, it was such a shockingly small percentage. And I'm like, you know, the cloud architects are not going to be focused on that. That's just their their skill set is a different skill set than how to save money. So if asset managers don't become more involved, you know, they're not going to be saving their company money. That and that money can then be put toward, you know, everybody's always saying, well, if we have the budget for it and we don't spend it, we lose it. But that money can then be allocated toward new innovations, new projects, new directions, rather than saying, oh, we're just going to lose it. Because when it comes to digital business, Companies are always looking for an advantage uh, in the marketplace and taking the, those funds, those savings that, that they can get from optimization and putting it toward those new projects can be a significant boost to them. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah, I, I think freeing up. I mean, I, I think because I, 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 uh, I did look at the, the State of the Cloud report um, and there's all, all kinds of wonderful uh, information in there. Uh, and I, I think I remember some, some of the companies that were surveyed, you know, were spending over $12 million a year in, in the cloud, um, you know, which is, a, I mean, you know, I don't know the size of the company, but wh whatever size they are, that's a significant amount of money. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if you can save, you know, 10% of that, you know, that, that's an extra you know, more than a million dollars extra for a new on-premises SAM tool or you know, uh, you know, digitizing a, a customer portal or something. Um, and I think, you know, our, our conference theme this year is about taking ITAM outside of IT and, you know, working with stakeholders. And I think if ITAM can say, look, you know, we've just produced you know, $2 million, let's say, and it's not cost avoidance of, oh, we've done this, which means if we get audited, there won't be this additional spend. It's literally a case of yesterday, we were spending this much money, and today, we're spending less. Cloud gives an immediate result, and and I think that can be used to 
to, to one's benefit to you know to show very quickly look this is how much money we've saved this month really let us get into this and you know we'll be able to save even more instantly yeah well it, it's funny i i was laughing a bit when you said 12 million dollars a year on, on uh cloud because i saw an article in early March where uh, Lyft, the ride-sharing company, indicated that they plan on spending $300 million with AWS through 2021. So that's about $100 million a year on AWS. And some of the data that showed up in the State of the Cloud report that said up to 30% of cloud spend could be wasted just because it's not optimized, that it's not right size. And if you figure 30% is waste, that is a huge chunk of the budget. Yeah, it is. Um, and yeah, I think and now you've mentioned that, you've reminded me, I was talking about this the other week, that, that Apple apparently are spending 30 million a month with AWS. Yes, I saw so mm-hmm. that would be you want yeah. nine nine million dollars a month waste, you know, at thirty percent. Um, yes. So you know, yeah, I mean, the the numbers potentially are, you know, astronomical, aren't they? And and I think, you know, I, I tam, to, to me, you know, it makes perfect sense that rather than building, you know, a whole new team. Um, to, to do these things, you know, the, the ITAM should be the the, the core uh, of um, cloud management, and you know maybe you need to skill up a few people or hire a new person. But I think, like you said earlier, that you know most of the the ITAM skills from from on premises are transferable to to the cloud, um, and uh, and I, I think maybe there's an element of ITAM needs to make sure that they don't get uh, duplicated with another new, shinier team who are basically doing what, what ITAM do, but have got a you know a, a more cloud-based name. Um, because I mean, I've been doing been doing some research recently into, into this topic called fin, FinOps, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that. Everything that I've been reading, it talks about procurement and finance, and you know that they do these, these various things. And I've been talking to people that have got you know a FinOps team or a FinOps analyst and cloud management analysts, and it all to me really sounds like what ITAM do. And you know, it, it, these things like you know reserved instances, you know, there are so many different types of reserved instance and they're different between Amazon and Microsoft and Google and there's different types and different levels and you know right sizing and, and all these things but but to me I think they're basically the the new licensing metrics. So so where ITAM on premises, you know, they're the team who understand PVUs and RVUs and processors and core factors. I, I think to me it makes logical sense that they become the team who understand the difference between you know standard reserved instances and convertible and, and all these things. Um and I'd be interesting, you know, is that what you're seeing from from the work that you're doing that, that ITAM 
are being involved in those kind of things? Well, maybe it's because I, I speak with more SAM managers, so maybe it's sort of self-selecting there. But yeah, the concept of, you know, we've got AI ops, spin ops, dev ops, so now we need item ops, right? It's, uh, it's about becoming more agile and, and you know, the skills are there, the knowledge is there. It's about reaching out, sharing information. And then what we've thought of traditionally as SAM, you know, it's more that the concept is shifting as these assets are shifting. So it's more, it's becoming more about asset governance as opposed to license compliance or audits. And, you know, there definitely is a need to become more financially savvy. Uh, but, you know, I think asset management already has a lot of that background. I don't think it's a new skill that they need to develop in order to work with FinOps. They just have to make sure that they're looking at the right data, have the right metrics in place, and then be able to report for that CIO level who's concerned with FinOps or CFO level. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, it's interesting because some of the people I've spoken to, um, there's no link at all between ITAM and, and the FinOps teams. You know, they're managing cloud spend, they're, they're doing all these things with reserved instances, etc., but not involving ITAM at all. And, and I, I'm, I'm yet to work out if that's because they, they don't know that ITAM are there or they don't really understand what ITAM do or if they think ITAM is just on-premises or if it's because ITAM said they weren't interested, you know, I, I don't know enough, but I think it's interesting that, that the, there's a, a divergence in, in some cases, because as we said earlier on, that you know, bringing these different teams together is going to be where real success lies for an organization. Uh, and I wonder if uh, you know, that there's maybe the chance of more silos appearing internally um and i mean i i personally would think if that is the case that it's in itam's interest to to be the ones to kind of break down those barriers if possible yeah i've always viewed itam as a shared service right it's it's shared the same way email and networking is right it crosses different departments it crosses different domains so it's just about, it's a matter of communicating and reaching out to enable collaboration, right, and, and support that. And that's what keeps them relevant as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, there are, there are so many new things appearing in cloud that if, if ITAM aren't part of it uh, you know and if it doesn't sit across all the different areas like you say then by the time itam find out about containers or whatever the the next thing after containers is going to be you know it will probably serverless be, yeah serverless yeah of course serverless, you know, yeah. <laughs> it will be it will be too late you know by the time it's filtered through those other teams so i think you're right that if itam is everywhere it, it, you know, you'll, you'll be able to be in, involved from the beginning rather than trying to fix mm -hmm. it from. Right, and become a critical part of the decision processes too. Yeah, 
yeah, I because I, I I think you know an ITAM team that um, really understand the cloud will will be able to to guide decisions and you know just like on premises where someone might say right you know let's use Oracle database and the ITAM team can say well actually because of these various reasons we'd be better off going with SQL or you know Postgres or MySQL or or whatever the alternative is. I think ITAM should be the people as well to say, well, actually, you know, if we do this project in Azure, we'll be able to use our hybrid use benefits, which will save X. So maybe AWS is more attractive to the, the developers, but we can save, you know, $15, $15 million over three years if we do it in this cloud. I think I think you're right that the ITAM are the people to to be able to make those decisions or, or help make them at least. Yeah, and, and basically what this is, is that asset management has to modernize, right? It as a discipline, as an imperative, uh, if your organization is going through a digital business transformation, asset management has to modernize to keep up with it. And, you know, recognize that it's SaaS, it's cloud, it's IoT, containers, you know, it, it's about managing it and also about optimizing it and ensuring that the spend is being spent efficiently. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with that. The, I think the modernization, um, I mean, it reminds me a bit of, so I used to be a reseller when Office 365 first came out. And we would talk to the server admins, you know, the exchange admin, SharePoint admin, the the on-premises people. And there were two kinds. There were the ones who said, oh, wow, you know, this, this looks amazing. It will free me up. I'll be able to do these other things. I'll, I'll learn new skills, which will keep me, you know, in, a, in the job market for the, for the future. Let's do it. And there were the other kind who had no interest in it at all, and you know they just stayed doing what they were doing, and and weren't interested in this new stuff. And uh, you know, and I think we were able to see over the years that the people who who got involved, um, even if it looked like it was going to change their role quite significantly, you know, they're the ones who've been more successful, you know, over the last kind of ten years. And and I think that applies for ITAM on a an individual level, but also on a a macro level as a a practice that you know as you say you know if in ten fifteen years if ITAM still wants to be where you know significant and and not be overtaken by FinOps and and all these kind of things you know that that modernization piece is is going to be necessary. Um, I think you make, you make a very good point about modernizing as a uh, an industry, I guess. Yes, yes. It's, it's that whole concept of, um, you know, we want to move up the maturity curve and be more proactive uh, and have continuous governance in place. But the bar keeps getting reset every time a new technology comes out. And so... You know, as they say, the only thing you can guarantee in life right, um, is change in addition to a few other things, but change is the primary thing. And so being adaptable and being flexible is going to be an important part of that. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree agree with you there. I mean, you know, the the changes, even just in the last couple of years, you know, have been quite significant. And I think you know there are there are more things coming. Um, I mean, do you you know do you have a a kind of a, a prophecy you want to make for for where ITAM will be in you know five or ten years? Oh. Hmm. Let me see. No, I, I don't. I don't think that I have a forecast there. I, you know, I, I think that the obvious trends, right, is, is cloud and SaaS adoption is going to continue. Uh, you know, I think the big question is whether data centers are still going to be around in five or ten years. You know, probably closer to ten years. Uh, you know, how many companies have on-premise data centers? I think that's probably where the biggest shift is going to happen. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think. I think you're right. I think. I think hybrids. You know. I think there'll always be some on-premises, but it'd be interesting to see the the you know the percentage shrink of you know people who had X number, you know, a thousand servers in a data center might only have fifteen or, or something. Um, I think. Mm-hmm. I think you're right that, that that's the that, that's the, that's the way, um, and I think for me it'd be interesting to see you know the the new new kinds of of, of tools and, and management and ways of automating it all uh, across a business. You know, incorporating ITAM and security and FinOps and all these different ways of linking things together. I think it'd be interesting to see what that looks like in um in in 10 years um but yeah yeah well so we'll we'll do that you know if we if we don't do another podcast before then we'll do one in 10 years and we'll talk about (laughs) the size of data great idea (laughs) (laughs) great Uh, idea i'm sure we will uh we will do one before then i'll uh, i'll send you a a calendar invite after this for uh, 2029 we'll we'll make sure it's in the for our next check crystal ball check in and say where were we <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um i mean i think to be honest we could probably talk about this for many many hours um but you know we, we've got to got to stop somewhere um so i i think you know thank you very much for your for your time today it's been it's been wonderful and you know i i do think there'll be some more of these i think we've got more more to say um but yeah you know thank you very very much i know you're busy and so i do appreciate it and um and yeah yeah thank you well thank you very much for having me this was a very enjoyable conversation and i really appreciated it Marvelous, yeah, me too. Um, and like I say, yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. So, uh, so Patricia Adams from Flexera, uh, thank you very much, and have a good day. Thank you. You too.